Don't you know that you so wrong, man? You're wrong and here's why. Chris and Greg don't see eye to eye like none of the time. Robert Covington sticks. I don't care what you think. How is LeBron James the king when he's ruining teams? Yo, wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Yo, wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why. Chris Hordell, joined by Greg Crow and Gregory. How's it going? Not too bad, Chris. Not too bad. NCAA tournament in full in full effect, which has been fun. Uh, unfortunately, the Beavs the Beavs couldn't couldn't pull it off, and make it all the way to the Final Four. But it was a good run for uh, for Wayne Tinkle and the boys. I'll leave it to the Beavs to lose before the Final Four. I mean, nobody expected them to even be where they got, so I'll take it. Lots to talk about. We've got Bavada Sportsbook open. We're going to look at some of the, the more interesting lines from the rest of the tournament. And actually, we have a, a second half line as we're sort of recording here in the middle of a game. Not a competitive one. Uh, uh, Gonzaga absolutely hammering USC currently 45 to 28. Spoilers for anyone who's listening in real time, which is <laughs> no one. Hmm. Um, Greg, that, that Gonzaga-USC game, like I said... Uh, well, sorry, it's halftime. Uh, I hadn't updated it. 49 to 30, Gonzaga. The spread at Bavada right now is uh, is currently Gonzaga minus 19 and a half. Basically saying, will USC win the second half? Where are you putting your money? I think USC at least makes it a little bit closer. That's, I agree. I mean, Gonzaga's been hammering them for the entire first half, but I think that, to me they can't play any worse than they did in the first half. So mm-hmm. you got to ride into the second half with uh, uh, the thinking USC can at least battle back a tiny bit. By the way, if you uh, want to win absolutely no money, uh, you can take the Zags minus 20,000 on the money line at Bavada to win this game. Well, what is funny is, is that in all three Elite Eight games so far, there's been one team up very big in the first half. You know, you had uh, Houston was up 17 at halftime. Baylor was up 18 at one point. And all, both of those games got close again. So you wonder if that same trend is going to ride here in this game. I don't think so. I just think I just think Gonzaga is the superior team. They have the better the, the, the better players. I don't care how good Evan Mobley is. There's just there's just too much power on Gonzaga. I don't think it gets close, but uh, I think I think they can at least inch back a tiny bit. Yeah, this second game, I'm less excited about, which is kind of sad. This is the game that I was excited about for the night. I thought USC might be able to compete a little bit better than they have. But at 657 here on the West Coast, we've got number 11 UCLA heading to Michigan. Well, taking on Michigan in the East Regional Finals. And Bavada has Michigan minus seven. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard for me to, to doubt UCLA with how they've played so far how well they played against Alabama. I mean, I know Alabama didn't play their best game, but like UCLA didn't play with their best player for all of overtime, the majority yeah. of the end of the game. I mean, he fell out with like six minutes left and they still were able to, to maintain. And I, I know they gave up the buzzer beater at the end, but they came out in overtime and they were like, okay, we really don't care. And we just, they just dominated. <laughs> so um, it's going to be interesting to see how they match up with Michigan, though. I think Dickinson's going to be a pretty big problem for, for UCLA. Man, how good could this Michigan team have been if Isaiah Livers was actually able to play? Because 
like you said, between between Dickinson, between Franz Wagner, uh, this is a really good team. Yeah, man. I, I mean, it's it's a bummer that Livers isn't able to play, but they have been they've been everything that they were advertised to be throughout the year. I think if if he was in there playing, we would see. Gonzaga type scores every yeah. night, uh, like beating teams by 15 to 20 easily. And we've seen that a little bit from Michigan and for being perfectly honest, but um, I think that, I think that it, it would be a little bit of even, even bigger blowout from Michigan. And I don't want to, uh, I don't want to disrespect Eli Brooks. Who's also a heck of a player for that Wolverines team. What have you thought of, uh, of Wagner so far this tournament? Because he's a guy who's been a pretty hot draft prospect name. I mean, he's definitely stepped up where he had to. I mean, he was their third leading scorer on the year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's provided a, a pretty big spark for them, which has been good to see because they needed that. Like, they limped out of the Big Ten tournament so badly. It was – you were like, this team's toast. I mean, my own from my own perspective, uh, my bracket, I think I had LSU bouncing them out round two. Uh, boy, yeah. was I wrong. Um, <laughs> but it's it's been, I think – I think he's been a big, he's been, he played a big role in the reason why they've kind of steamrolled everybody they faced. I mean, that Florida State game was never Ugh. really even in doubt. No. No, it was a, that was a disaster of a basketball game. Yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, and this has been a good tournament. Although, you know, it's interesting because I think the perception for this tournament is going to go down, at least to this point, of unpredictability and anything can happen and oh look at Abilene Christian and North Texas and Oral Roberts and so on and so on and yet it looks like we're probably going to get a final four with three ones and a two yeah that's always that is but that that seems to always be the case like you you always have the outliers that uh you'll get like oh an 11 George Mason sneaks in or a VCU sneaks in you know Loyola Chicago those teams but in reality, what always sort of ends up happening is, is the, the cream rises to the top at, towards the end of most of these tournaments because the underdog teams, that, like Oral Roberts is what, the second 15 seed to ever even make the Sweet 16 mm. uh, and arguably should have beat Arkansas. That shot from, from Max Asmus was it was on point, um, just yeah. a little bit short. But uh, it, to me, I just, I don't know, I, I, like... Once they get up against the top, top, top tier teams, like it always seems to shake out where they're going to be the ones that, and it actually makes for the games to be a little less entertaining when you reach those points, right? So like, even though the Oregon State game got close, the -hmm. first half of that game was just pure domination. And yes, the the second game between um, uh, Baylor and Arkansas, like that got close a little bit, but it never got tied. And then Baylor just kind of took over again. So, but I mean, obviously that's a closer, those are two closer seeds, but the, the cream of the crop, as I said before, they're, they're always going to be the teams that prevail for the most part, like 99% of the time they end up being the teams that end up playing for, for it all. Yeah. I mean, in order for the, the lower seeds to actually advance, 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 I feel like they have to have some outlier characteristic to them and, you know, I think back to that like Florida Gulf Coast team that was just like that. We we had not seen a team play basketball that way for a long time, and it worked for them. And well, and it's also luck of the draw. Like it's, sure. it, it depends on who wins around you. Like I don't think Oregon State could play with Illinois, but you get Loyola Chicago, and it's a different thing. They really, 
you know, for, for as good as that Clemens dude is, that their their main guy on offense was Crutwig, and they could match up with him uh, with the their big guy in the middle, and it made it a lot more difficult for them to facilitate around him. And, like, you look with any of these teams, that's kind of the case. Like, um, Florida Gulf Coast gets uh, – not Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, <laughs> Oral Roberts gets Florida. Well, Florida's missing their best player yeah. pretty much all year, so obviously they, did, they had adapted since then, but they miss him for – for that game, that's if Keontae Johnson's in that game, that's a completely different game. Florida is also probably not a seven seed. Um, that's true. I mean, you. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other teams that sort of. I guess there wasn't a ton that went super super far. Uh, but you talk about like Villanova, who everybody yeah, thought was. Let's potential. not talk about Villanova. Well, they were a potential five twelve upset, but they got the luck of the draw where they end up with North Texas in round two. Uh, and and that's sort of an easy walkthrough game. And who's the team that beat Abilene Christian? Was it Alabama? No, the Abilene Christian played. Um, I don't have my bracket in front of me, but regardless, they ended up playing a team that was significantly better. Same with Ohio. Uh, but if you you end up in a matchup of you know lower seeded teams like a twelve playing an eight or an eleven playing a thirteen or you know. That that can happen. So the more upsets in the first round that happen are great, but then it leads to games that we've seen so far where these lower seeds get get to the Sweet 16 and Elite 8, and it's like, oh, these games aren't as competitive. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly accurate. And I, I think we can uh, make a safe assumption for who Bavada believes is going to get to that championship game looking at th- their odds for the most outstanding player. This is an absolute runaway train for Gonzaga players. Kispert, the favorite, at plus 400, followed by Suggs at plus 425, followed by Timmy at plus 600. Jared Butler sneaks in from Baylor at plus 600. And then you have Joel Ayayi at uh, at plus 800. So four of the top five favorites in terms of uh, odds to win most outstanding player of the NCAA tournament on that Gonzaga team. Yeah, I mean, I think that you can get some serious value with Timmy uh, in there, especially with the way they match up with either team uh, from the other side of the bracket. If they're able to somehow get into the championship game, well, not somehow, they're undefeated. Um, yeah. If they're able to get I, into the championship game. I think game, they will, yeah. Barring anything crazy, I think uh, I think they have a real, uh, I think any one of those guys could be named most outstanding, but I think Timmy's good value there. Yeah, if they can somehow, you know, sneak past USC with this 19-point lead at halftime and then win one more game to get to the championship. <laughs> of course. I mean, it's, it, who would be your money outside of the the Gonzaga players? It's got to be, you know, it's got to be one of the Baylor guards. Yeah, I would say Butler. Could Butler plus 600 at Bavada. Yeah, I think he I think he's a good shot. If you if you uh if Houston's somehow able to beat Baylor, I I'd, I'd love to see what the number on Giroux is. That dude uh, not listed right now, but Quentin uh, well, Grimes is plus eight. Yeah, and what's funny is I think Jarreau's been more impactful in a lot of their wins. Grimes has been great, don't get me wrong. But Grimes I think, a ball hog, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could I could see that, but I think I think Jarreau has been. I mean, he he was hurt in that Rutgers game and ended up coming back in and and really made an impact late in that game to help secure the comeback victory. Uh, he was great against Oregon State. Um, I mean, they, I think they are, they, he's, he's a sort of dark horse that they're able to somehow beat Baylor. Yeah. I love that Quentin Grimes was once upon a time called a point guard because it's, it's absolute craziness. Guys played three seasons of college basketball. Now Kansas, you know, back in 2018, 2019, 
in two years at Houston. He's never averaged more than 2.6 assists a game, and he's never played less than 27.4 minutes a game. So the guy is the guy exists to go hunt shots. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can definitely see that. I mean, it, I think it's hard to categorize guys, though, as they're coming in to college or even in high yeah. school because the game changes so much differently. The players around you also change. You know what I mean? So, like, you may be a point guard in you may be a point guard in high school. It may be completely different depending on the roster makeup of the uh, team you end up with. Yeah, but it's unlikely you go from being the bet, you know, from a situation where you're the point guard to to a team where you're so much better than everybody else, and suddenly you're the scorer when you move up a level. I, I mean, yeah, of course, that's definitely that's definitely a difficult thing to do. It doesn't mean it's impossible. It does not mean it's impossible, but uh. It does mean I really don't like Quentin Grimes. Just never, <laughs> absolutely, positively, never been a fan of this guy. I remember watching him in the McDonald's All American game, which is so often my my first introduction to these high level high school guys, and just having that similar like Harrison Barnes thought where this guy's just not that good. Like why? Where is all the hype coming from? Harrison Barnes, look, and Barnes has had a nice career and he's turned himself into a good NBA player, but Barnes was getting Kobe comps, the McDonald's All-American game, and it just never, ever made sense. I mean, Harrison Barnes is a multi-time, or at least he at least has one NBA championship, and I believe he might have a gold medal. So, Well, Zaza Pachulia has an NBA championship. That shouldn't be the bar we're judging these, by, these guys by. <laughs> I mean, you present an excellent point there, but I'm just saying. Like, it's not like he hasn't been a productive... I don't know you said he's had a pretty good NBA career, so... I do get that. I've never been a, a Barnes fan either, so I can't really take up the mantle for him. Yeah, no, he's a nice player. There's there's nothing wrong with Harrison Barnes, but we get so crazy comparing these guys to super duper stars when they're they're coming into college and coming out of high school. It just it goes so overboard. Legitimately, he was the next Kobe, which you know, which all of a sudden was people were the next Kobe after for so long. Guys were the next Michael Jordan, the the Harold Miner syndrome. Well, it's it's what they always do. I mean, the the press or the the media around the sport has to find someone to latch onto to then make them the next person of that generation. I mean, we've seen it with Zion, just just to name a um, super recent one. Zion is flat out hooping right now. Though. Yes, very 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 good, which is good to see. Just stay healthy. It? 29 consecutive games of over 20 points. Yeah, I think it's some, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I mean, he is as advertised, which is good. You just got to hope that he doesn't miss any time. That That's the biggest concern with a guy like him because he clearly has the athleticism. He clearly has the talent. Uh, he can obviously score. There's no no doubt about that. So um, we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. But but again, he's been hyped up since he was, what, 14? Like, Yeah, and if you look at his numbers, it's completely warranted. He scored 22.5 as a rookie, granted small sample size in 24 games. And he's up that to 26.4 as a 20-year-old. You know, Both years, his per 36s are around 30 points a game. I think the only, the only challenging factor, well, like you said, that let's hope he doesn't get hurt because that body type is is uh, an outlier body type in the NBA and sapped of that athleticism you have to wonder what kind of player he's going to be and i also i don't know how how flexible he's going to be if he has to learn to do something else if his athleticism betrays him 
because he only averages like six point something rebounds a game, just over seven rebounds a game now. Yeah, I, I, his scoring is what makes him so dynamic, especially yeah. at that level where he's not the tallest or most most athletic guy on the court at all times, right? So I think if you lose out on on his scoring due to some sort of injury, I don't know what he offers, or, or he doesn't offer anywhere near as much value uh, as a fully competent and fully healthy player. Yeah, I think it's crazy we still list him at 6'7", by the way. Zion is every bit 6'5". <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Iverson was, six, Iverson was like 5'10", and they had him at 6'1". So that's just the NBA <sighs> being the NBA. The but that's, that me- that's measuring his heart, Greg. <laughs> the only person that ever goes backwards is uh, Durant. KD. Yeah, yeah, he's the only. Well, Garnett did the same thing. Garnett always said he was he was a uh, six foot thirteen because he didn't want to be listed as a center, so he <laughs> had to be a six foot. Uh, yeah, Dur- you're right about uh, Durant is obviously lying. Durant is six eleven, seven foot. He's just a freak of a human being. But another guy who does not want to have that center uh, listing by his name, though you do wonder if. If he came into the NBA today, maybe things are a little different with how positions have changed in basketball. We we see guys like this able to succeed and able to succeed playing that quote unquote small ball five, which Durant wouldn't even really be a small ball five uh, with his size. But you, you wonder if it might be a little different considering how differently the game's played. Oh, yeah. And well, it's because it became positionless basketball. It didn't matter yeah. where you were actually listed. You you. I mean, Ben Simmons is a great example of that. He's a guy who could be a power forward or a center, depending based on skill set and based on what he can do and based on height. And in reality, he plays point guard. Like, that's just yeah. what it is. It's true. And by the way, it's always bothered me that Harold Miner never had more of an NBA career. Baby Jordan deserved it. Out of the NBA by 24 after uh, 19 forgettable games in Cleveland. But, you know, 10 points, 10 points, 7 points, and then 3 in that, that last season. Harold Miner should have had a longer NBA career, and he was just—he was doomed by expectations coming out of USC with with that Baby Jordan nickname. Well, that's that's it's it's a, it's either the perfect uh, anointing uh, of someone to give them a nickname like that, or the immediate kiss of death, like you said. Yeah. There's there there is no in between. You're not going to show up and be a guy who's like you know a. 15-point-a-game role-player guy or a starter guy, uh, third, fourth option if you're baby Jordan. It's just never going to be the case <laughs> because the beat writers in those towns or, the, in this case, bloggers now who follow the team and, and report on it are always going to be, be ripping on those expectations. The Flyers are yeah. a great example. They stink. They might be the worst team in hockey. That's not true. Uh-huh. That's not true. They beat the Buffalo Sabres who lost their Ending eight- in, what, 18th straight game? That was their 18th straight game that they, know, they lost. The Flyers were down 3 nothing going into the third period and came back sure. to win 4-3 in overtime. Uh, but so uh, confirmed not the worst. Might be the second worst team, but they waved Shane Gosses Bear today. And oh, wave, really? Yeah, by waving Shane Gosses Bear, it's one of those things where he came in as a rookie and was phenomenal. You thought yeah. that this guy was going to be the next future of the Philadelphia Flyers, and now five years later he's unceremoniously waived uh they say it could be because they're clearing up cap space to potentially make a deal, yada, yada, yada. I don't care. He was disappointing from a defensive standpoint, but he was always undersized, and the expectation of him to be some sort of power defenseman should have never been there. Uh, but then his offense waned, and that's 
that's what that's what he provided so well when he was a rookie. But he got hmm. figured out, and then now we're here, and the ghost bear is most likely no longer a flyer. Well, that's shocking. I, uh, I mean, cle- obviously, don't pay much attention to hockey, but in in my head, he's you know he was one of the Flyers' better players because it's a name I know and I remember the success he had as a rookie. So uh, it's it's all down to Travis Konecki now. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, it's it, it is it, 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 having because su- that's the name I know. <laughs> having success early. And being anointed that that you know the person who you can be relied on and have those expectations put upon you, you it, it can be the ultimate failure. I mean, there's so, there's countless guys like that in sports. Brandon I mean, look, Jennings, baby, double nickel, in yeah. like eleven games in. Yeah, I mean, look at any, OJ Mayo was such a huge recruit. He was such I a big mean, deal. OJ's got other problems. Well, of course, but again, he, before those problems uh, really reared their ugly head, it wasn't exactly like OJ Mayo was putting up 40 a night. Um, no, but Mayo was solid. Mayo was, I mean, talk about, weirdly, another USC guard who had comparisons to Michael Jordan for a period of time. Yeah. But, like, Mayo is a career 14 points a game scorer in the NBA. That, that is nothing to, to scoff at. Right, again, but it's the expectations that were there that that's a franchise piece, a, a builder. He's a nice mm-hmm. starter, potentially a bench roll guy on a team. Um, so, like, to me, though, like the, the NBA is, is probably the most prevalent place. I mean, you could talk about NFL quarterback busts. That's another mm-hmm. area uh, that I think really kind of – really is kind of a glaring thing. I mean, you, obviously you talk about guys like Ryan Leaf, Jamarcus Russell, like the, the top, top, top tier guys. Um, it is, it does amaze me though. Like when you think about those lists, but then you think about the drafts where, oh, you had Eli Phillip Rivers and then Roethlisberger were all top, what, 11 or 12 picks, something like mm-hmm. that. And there are three guys that will all be in the Hall of Fame most likely when it's all said and done. But then you have a draft like the year, Donovan McNabb gets drafted, and McNabb's really the only one. I guess maybe you can say Dante Culpepper had a Yeah, of course you can say Dante Culpepper. Yeah, but he never had as much success as some of those other guys. Oh, I mean, he's not a Hall of Famer, but, I mean, Culpepper was an unbelievably good NFL player. Right, but he was mid-first round, right? Out of what? Out of uh, tiny little college. Out of Central Florida, right? Yeah, 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 Central Florida. Um, no, Culpepper's a very, uh, he had injuries at the end that kind of ruined him, but man, in Minnesota, the guy was electric for a while. I get what you're saying though. He's not, he's not a hall of famer. And then certainly Tim Couch is not a hall of famer and Achilles Smith is not a hall of famer and Cade McNown is not a hall of famer. Oof. That is, that's what worries me about this year's NFL draft. Do we get one of those years where every guy is, uh, every guy outside of like one guy is just complete misery or yeah. do we get a year where it's like, Oh, actually all these guys are good. Every single yeah, one I mean, of these guys are good. It seems like one, two, three is pretty much locked up at this point with, uh, with Lawrence going to Jacksonville, Wilson going to the jets and Mac Jones going to the San Francisco 49ers, which leaves high degree of variability guys in, in Justin Fields and Trey Lance is those other two, I think all five off the board by pick nine, which is, you know, a positive for the Eagles who want players to drop. So I don't know. It'll be interesting, but let's, let's, let's finish up this. Uh, we have one final four game to talk about already. Uh, Houston, number two takes on Baylor. Number one, this Saturday, two o'clock on the West coast and Bavada has Baylor minus five. I think that the bets Baylor, they're just so good and they're so deep. I mean, even with, 
even with Davion Butler getting in serious foul trouble very early in that game. I mean, yeah. he, he committed his third foul with like eight minutes left in the first half <laughs> yesterday. And they're just, they're just deep and talented and everybody can score. Like it's, it, I need to see this Gonzaga Baylor matchup. It's a game that we should have had earlier in the year, but I think COVID took it away from us. Um, when Baylor was going through some issues, I, I need this game. I need this game to happen because they're clearly the two most talented teams in the country. You have any thoughts on, uh, on the woman's side? Who, who do you think wins this? South Carolina is always intriguing. Um, I think they played a night uh, with a chance to go to the final four. Um, but I, I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to ever pick against UConn. You got Paige. Yeah. Pagey Beckers. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I, I couldn't remember her last name, but I Page Beckers. I knew people online were calling her Pagey Buckets, and and I think that I think that's an interesting matchup too. Um, I think she's she's a very she's obviously unbelievable, and Gino's yeah. just got the pedigree, man. Don Staley's got a, a great resume as well, but Gino's been there a long time. Yeah, I wa- You know, I I texted you during it, but I I watched one women's game this in tor- this entire tournament. And uh, it was that Iowa, that Iowa Connecticut game, where you know you had Beckers going up against the leading scorer in the country. Iowa's Caitlin Clark, and I just man, I know she shot four or twelve from three, but I said it to you via text. I don't think that there's a prettier jump shot, male or female, in college sports than uh, Caitlin Clark. It's just absolutely beautiful. She's very good, and and the form is there. It's like it's like perfect every time it comes off her hands. You're just expecting it to go in. Every single time. I, I mean, exactly. One of those people you see the ball come out and you never think it's going to miss. Yeah, and she's a fresh. She was a freshman this year, so yeah. Heron lead, Beckers. That's the future. Of, that's the future of women's basketball, right there. Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be a fun four years as long as they both stay all four. It's it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, you certainly don't see <laughs> many. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't even know the rules, honestly. Can. Can freshmen leave for the WNBA draft? No, I believe it's it's similar to like uh, college football, where you can leave it's after years. junior year. Because um, there's been a couple people recently who have done it. I think Asia Wilson might have been one of the people that did it. Um, but there have been a couple instances where where girls have left early. There was a girl from Oregon last year who left early. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, not Sabrina, but no, uh, yeah, one of her, one of yeah, her teammates. Uh, she, she, wasn't she the second pick in the draft? I think she was. She was either second uh, or third. WNBA eligibility draft eligibility states that American players must have either graduated from college or be turning twenty-two years old in the calendar year of the draft. Huh. Jesus, wow. I mean, I get <laughs> like from a financial standpoint because the contracts are much, much different from WNBA to NBA. I could see why they do something like that, but. Why is nobody talking about this? We we complain that NBA players can't come in like can't enter the draft out of grade school and yet WNBA players literally have to graduate first. Finish those degrees in 2 years. Let's go. I don't know. Yeah, that's a weird rule. I don't know if I like that. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I mean, there's I, been a lot of uh sexual inequities inequities here. Uh, with between the males and the females in college sports of late, and uh, oh boy, is this yet another one? Well, yeah, with being—I mean, I'm assuming that's that's the WNBA's rule, but I don't know. 
I don't know if that's that's the best idea. I need the WNBA team to come to Philly. There's been rumors. Oh, I, I'm with you. I'm there's with been you. rumors recently swirling that there's a potential for a WNBA team in Philly. That that is a nice, fun family outing. I'm, I'd be more than happy to bring the girls to a game down at the Wells Fargo for something like that. That'd be awesome. Can I can I tell you? Like, I would be totally into that. And if there's a world where I do end up back in Pennsylvania, like. Those are the games where I'm, you know, it, it's going to be like 150 bucks for courtside tickets. Like, I'll do that 10 times a year. Yeah, it, it would be excellent. And you're getting the best female basketball you could possibly watch. So, why not do it? Take advantage would, of it. I would want to see specific teams. Well, of when course. They, yeah. I don't necessarily want I don't need season tickets. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I would I would absolutely be into that. That would if be you, that'd be super fun. I, I mean, if I if Elena Deladon's still in the league, that's a, that's a must go. Uh, obviously, with any of the girls that are coming out now, uh, yeah, eventually Sabrina, yeah, like that's a Asia. must go. Yeah, of course. These are these are the big names that you 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 want to go. Brianna see Stewart, Greg. I know WNBA. I, listen, man. So do I. Every name you mentioned, I'm right on top of it. Oh no, you know far more than I do. There's no question about that. <laughs> but uh, I watched a lot I, of women's basketball, Chris. I know that's been yeah. said multiple times on on this particular podcast by me, but I, I, I watched a lot. Yeah. I remember tuning into a, uh, one of the Las Vegas aces game early, early in the season. And uh, I wanted to see, I wanted to see that team play. And I, I was shocked to learn that Brianna Stewart was on the, uh, the Seattle team. I was pleasantly surprised to see they were going up against, uh, Brianna Stewart and Sue bird. Yeah. The fact that Sue Bird is still just out there ripping it, like oh, it's crazy. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts, and she's still good. That didn't they? They, they may have won the title recently. <laughs> I like that's how well you know the sport. Like, uh, somebody won. Could have been them. Might yeah. as well. Well, so Brianna Stewart tore her Achilles. Yeah, two maybe three years ago. Is that the overseas. Seattle Storm? Yeah, and I, I'm pretty confident they may have won the the bubble. The bubble WNBA title, but I, I I'm trying to rack my brain. It was either, but yes, they it had to. Have uh, been, how about a 2020 championship for the Seattle Storm? It had to. Yeah, I was gonna say it had to have been that because the Washington Mystics won it the year before uh, with Elena after losing in the finals the year prior, uh, and Elena didn't play in the bubble because of Lyme disease and complicate yeah. like not wanting to get any complications. Right, understandably, Seattle wins 2018, 2020. Solid franchise. Yeah, very solid. Seattle uh, needs the NBA back. I'm tired uh, yes, of this. They're getting the NBA back very shortly. I, I'm sure. At least I hope. They're they're gonna they'll they're gonna be one of the two expansion teams. There there will be expansion built into the next CBA, and Seattle definitely gets one of the teams. I'm guessing Kansas City is the other one, but we shall see. We shall see. Now, if if we're here for anything, it's to speculate on who's going to get a W an NBA expansion franchise in a future CBA. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm here to negotiate for it. I'm perfectly fine with that. Look, you're busy. We've got our youth football team that we're we're True. building remotely. Uh, <laughs> we've got we, we've already discussed starting a WNBA team. You know what? So, I was I was actually on? I was actually thinking about the. You said the, the Texas youth football team that we're starting. I was thinking about some of the players from that show. I mean, that show is... <laughs> Wait, so so effectively you were thinking about children. No, no. I was thinking about their prospects, where they uh -huh. are now, and ha at the age they are, if any of them have committed to universities at this point based off of you know where they went from there. But I, I have to imagine... 
I, I'm trying. I don't remember the exact time frame of that show, and I can't remember if I watched it in Oregon. If I watched it yeah. in Oregon, you're talking like almost five, six years ago. Those kids were ten. So yeah, they're probably just entering high school. So, right. but if I yeah, eh, all right. So still a little this early is... to be on max preps. <laughs> I'm out here. I'm out here scouting, Chris. They, well, look, that's your role as a general manager. I'm more of a figurehead, but exactly. Uh, you know, it's kind of like seeing if any of the kids from American Juniors eventually show up on American Idol, Greg. I don't it's exactly know what the American same. American Juniors is. It was a thing a long time ago, but look, we're not going to talk about that because it reflects negatively on me. And uh, <laughs> we've got to take a quick break. We're going to be right back live on stereo. Hey guys, Chris here to let you know that this week's episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why is brought to you in part by Stereo. We are just thrilled to be partnering with Stereo. Uh, Stereo allows us to talk directly as, as you guys have the chance to hop onto the conversation anytime you see us on the app. It's basically like our show's pregame and after party, and those conversations are available only on the Stereo app. As a matter of fact, you guys can join us every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday over on the Stereo app. All you have to do is download the Stereo app and follow us at Stereo.com, S-T-E-R-E-O.com backslash Chris Horwedel, C-H-R-I-S-H-O-R-W-E-D-E-L for your ease. The link is also in the description. I got to tell you, I love Stereo. I'm on the app talking all the time. So follow me and get notified every single time I go live. Again, you can find me on the app and follow me at Chris Horwoodell. You know, whether it's the biggest news of the day or just general sports talk, maybe even a little movie talk, who knows, will be available on Stereo for you to join us. Stereo is a live social conversation app where you can be the co-host, uh, you can be part of the conversation, or, or just kind of listen in and see what everybody else is talking about. We cannot wait to talk to you on Stereo. Once again, join us every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday over on the Stereo app. Just download the Stereo app, follow us at Stereo.com backslash Chris Horwoodell. There's a link in the description as I said already. We love this thing. We are there all the time. Follow us. Make sure you don't miss an opportunity when we go live. We're so excited about this, and we cannot wait to talk to you live on Stereo. All right. We are back. Uh, hey, one thing I wanted to talk to you about in the first half of the show, and I'm just curious. I know you're a big Mighty Ducks fan. Did you take in the first episode of Mighty Ducks Game Changers on Disney Plus? So I have not dipped my toe into the world of uh, the new version of the Mighty Ducks because I'm worried. I'm worried that if I you go into be. it, yeah, I, I'm afraid that it's go. D3 was already uh, a little much, you know, <laughs> the, 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 that if we go back down the rabbit hole of the Mighty Ducks, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm not confident that it's going to be good for a couple of different reasons. One it's not geared towards me. I'm not. A, no. I'm not a 13 year old kid. Like I'm much older than that now, and <laughs> like the Mighty Ducks have a nostalgic feel to them, and it's not going to be the same. I mean, yeah. Hans is dead. He's been dead. He's been dead since D3. Spoiler. Damn, bringing bringing the um, show down early. I mean, I know. Actually, funny story about D3. Remember when there there well, so there used to be a movie theater in that shopping center in Andorra. Yeah, the Android. Yeah, it was so, uh, oh, it was was it AMC? I think it was AMC. So uh, we went to get tickets uh, prior to showtime, and this is uh, Jesus, uh, well before you could just pre-order them online. So oh, yeah. uh, my my mother and I and one of my friends showed up, and they were having a contest out front with like one of those cardboard cutouts, 
and if you could hit the puck uh, through the the slot on your first try, uh, the first person to do it won like a like a Mighty Ducks jersey. Oh, Guess shit. who has a Mighty Ducks jersey hanging in their closet? Mike Crone. This guy. This guy. This guy. It's excellent. Awesome. Yeah, dude, it's it's sick. I I thought about I tried to figure out a way to buy like actual numbers to have my grandma like stitch on the numbers to make it like a full on like. Like one of the players' jerseys, but uh, never never got around to it. But it's that I still seems have it. easily achievable. It, well, I was like fourteen. I I wasn't thinking very hard or, or being too diligent about doing it. But I could still do it to this day. It'd be a nice little throwback. I just wish it well, was the green one and not the like Anaheim the Anaheim uh, Duck style one. Well, look, you're not missing anything. That's the moral of this story. It, yeah, it was, that's uh, what that's what I figured. It was not good. Don't waste your time. Let's uh, let's talk NBA trade deadline, Gregory. This is the most active trade deadline we've seen in quite some time. Uh, start from the beginning here. Uh, we'll get your take on all the big trades on March 25th. Started with a pretty big one. Uh, a guy who we know pretty well, Nikola Vucevic, former 76er, goes to the Chicago Bulls, now an all-star joining Zach Levine as a pair of all-stars on that Bulls team. They get also get Al Farouk Amino and uh, the Magic get Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and a couple of first round picks. Yeah, man, this was this was a nuts like way to start off the trade deadline. I thought. Yeah. I mean, like the Bulls all of a sudden were like, yeah, we don't we don't really care about picks anymore. We we just want to make the playoffs. Right. Like we're we're good, man. And I think. Getting a guy like Vucevic in there changes that team drastically. It gives them a like a legitimate second all-star, one of the better big men in the league, and you pair him up with a guy who can shoot, who can score in Zach Levine. I mean, Markkanen's been a fine player. You still have Patrick Williams. You, you get Wendell Carter out of there, but I think that that was, that was a situation that wasn't really working out to begin with. Um, it's, it's It's tough to give up on a, that high of a draft pick that quickly, but... Um, I think I think the writing was on the wall that it really wasn't going to be the way to go uh, moving forward. So I, I like the move for Chicago. I think it makes them a legitimate playoff contender, uh, not necessarily a, an NBA Finals contender or even an Eastern Conference Finals contender, but playoff basketball mm-hmm. back in the city of Chicago, for sure. Yeah, Vooch is, Vooch is criminally underrated. I really believe that. I'm looking uh, at the Bavada MVP odds right now, and the fact that he's not even included when... You know, guys like Russell Westbrook and Carl Anthony Towns get included. Towns, especially a joke considering all the games he's missed. It's crazy to me. If I think Vooch gets underrated because, and not to not to stereotype, he is a European big man. Well, I also think that he's in Orlando, a perennial bad franchise. Like they. It's true. They don't matter in the Eastern Conference. Like every once in a while, they'll be the eighth seed. They'll hit. They'll they'll win game one of the series against the number one seed, and then they'll disappear after losing four straight games, and then they'll miss the playoffs for four straight years. So like, it's 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 tough to get MVP voting when your team doesn't doesn't matter. And in Cat's yeah. case, in Cat's case, you're talking about a guy with the pedigree from Kentucky you know, been in our faces. And I know Vooch went to USC. It's not like he went to, like, you know, uh, uh, Pepperdine. You know what I mean? Like, he, he went to a bigger school. Uh, but I think that I think the team plays a big factor in this as well. Yeah, certainly true. 
the uh, the Portland Trailblazers get Norman Powell. This was a weird deal. Get Norman Powell in exchange for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. What'd you make of this? I wasn't I wasn't really sure what was going on with this trade because I don't know I don't know how well Norm Powell like I don't know how much better Norm Powell makes makes the Blazers like I, right. I just let's, don't I don't let's let's play a bunch of guys who are six three and see what happens yeah you just want to small ball everybody to death and I don't think that's gonna work unfortunately to me to me I don't I think this is one of the more like okay trades of the day I didn't have. It didn't give me feelings one way or another. I thought, oh, maybe this was going to open up another guy from Toronto because they were adding bodies. So, but well, uh, yeah, we, we know where that there, ended and, up. But a handful of other deals also suggested that Toronto was looking to make a trade. I know we won't dig too deeply into these, but, you know, they traded they traded Matt Thomas uh, and they, they traded another player, too, whose name escapes me right now. But they were clearing roster spots. And if you believe... You know, what was out there, the deal that would send Lowry to the 76ers was very, very close. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to think that. I just think that I'd think that it was tough for Mori to pull the trigger. Like it's a, it's and again, I'm in I'm in this weird loop where I've gotten sucked into uh, Philly sports radio again, like a complete dummy. And you should stop that. I really should, but I just can't help myself because of the nostalgia of, of some of the guys that have been going back and listening to. And mm-hmm. it's, to me, like, giving up on a guy like Thibel this early is weird. And I wasn't the biggest fan of the draft pick, but after watching him actually play, his impact on defense is, is it matters in these games when that second unit comes out. And even when he comes in and works sure. with the... With the starters, like it makes a big difference. Maxi, I wasn't, I wasn't the biggest fan again of the draft pick, but he he showed that he definitely has some talent. But he's not a guy that I don't see him as a linchpin of a title team. So if you were able to get out of that, if you were able to get Kyle Lowry and he was one guy you gave up and Danny Green, that's one thing. But now you're taking two guys who are potential pieces in some way in the future in Thibel mm-hmm. and Maxi. Plus, you're taking picks for, you know, $25 million a year Kyle Lowry for the next couple of years. That's that's a tough sell for me. Well, from everything I've heard, the sticking point was draft pick compensation, that it was going to be green, it was going to be maxi, and Toronto wanted two first-round picks where the protections were, were go, was going to be the sticking point. But look, it didn't happen. Lowry goes nowhere. <laughs> I love that... that the Lakers say, no, I don't want Kyle Lowry. We won't give up Talon Horton Tucker, who got nine minutes the next night. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I don't that's know. That's just a, a bad look. It's not great. It's, I mean, and especially especially with what Miami did eventually do. Like, that's... Ugh. Well, I mean, they just kind of lucked into that. They also got Belizia for basically nothing in a move I wish the 76ers would have made. But, you know, it's, it's not the world we live in. Beely, he, I do. he would have just flown right over Philadelphia and right in, right back to Europe. He'd have been like, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. We've, I did well, this he's got his contract now. That's true. All right. I, guess I do maybe think it's funny. <laughs> I do think it's funny uh, that the Gary Trent uh, Jr., randomness where 
Uh, he got he gets traded from the Blazers to the Raptors after 41 games in the regular season, just as his father did so many years ago. Literally, <laughs> the, the the Blazers traded Gary Trent to the Raptors after 41 games as well. Trent Jr., I mean, this bothers me because I feel like he's an absolute steal for this, uh, this Raptors team. I know they're going to have to re-sign him, but the guy plays defense. He's a most improved player candidate. He's a sixth man of the year candidate. I think Bavada has him. Plus fifteen thousand is the sixth man of the year odds um, favorite. I, he's this is a good basketball player, and they're gonna Portland is gonna have to make a decision on on Powell because he's a free agent. And how much do you believe in his growth this season? They they really put themselves in all uh, all all sorts of a pickle with that trade. Yeah, I, I mean, I just. I always feel like they're a team that should be so much better than they are, but then they they just never have, they never have that like final piece that puts them over the top, you know. And mm-hmm. and I, Norm Powell definitely isn't definitely isn't that for them. And I think I think they'll end up re-signing him just because uh, you know you have to. You, yeah, like your your hand is forced essentially at that point. So uh, I think I think that he stays a Blazer. And uh, also, yeah. I mean, you talk about Gary Trent. I think the lockiest of lock picks from from last week. Their first game, it was first bucket all day on Gary Trent Jr. Same with Vuk. I didn't even I, I forgot to mention earlier. I mean, you talk about Vuk was a first bucket machine. If you're into that type of bet, it, he is in Orlando. It was like automatic. You can get like four fifty, five fifty odds usually in those types of situations. Absolute murder. I'm looking at these most improved player odds at Bavada, and I like I've got to say like I don't know about some of this. I really don't. I think there's a player on this list who is more of an interesting story than a worthwhile name. Look, Randall's the favorite at minus 150. I get that he's having an unbelievable season. Suddenly he's become a complete player. Jeremy Grant is having an unbelievable season. Suddenly he's become this three point threat that. You know, he couldn't shoot a jump shot when he was in Philadelphia, but suddenly he's a knockdown three-point shooter. The guy who bothers me is Christian Wood at plus 1,600. He's just been hurt too much. Yeah, I mean, he's, like, and most improved, he was, like, one of the best players on Detroit last year. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah. Well, I don't, like I, you said, it doesn't matter because it happened with a garbage franchise. Well, that, but that talk, you talk about Jeremy Grant, like, that, that would hurt him in this situation. That's why I think... The the money in that case, you have to push all your chips in on the Randall the Randall one there because you're talking about yeah. despite despite the fact that the Knicks are are the lovable losers of the NBA over the past twenty plus years, uh, he's he's doing something on a team that you don't see very often, and he was a guy that was essentially kind of counted out as a, as an all star or as a potential superstar in this league, and he's 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 really kind of showed that hey that's not the case like I. I figured it out, guys. It took me a few years, but we're back, you know? Well, and this is an interesting argument for preaching patience with young players, because look at that trio that the Lakers dealt. Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, Lonzo Ball. All of these guys have really come into their own in other opportunities. And, you know, things obviously worked out because, you know, Anthony Davis is playing for the Lakers when he's not hurt. But, like, you ha- these are valuable young pieces, well, it's, it's the issue with the NBA draft being the way it is, where guys spend one year in college, you don't really know what they are, or if it does move to where it's high school players again coming out and going into the draft, 
you know, a guy hits 21 and he's not averaging 25 and he's not, you know what I mean? They, you yeah. give up on a guy and who knows what he could potentially grow into. Uh, I mean, obviously there are cases that are just completely hopeless. Like, uh, you know, some of the, some of the number one bus picks that we've seen and even obviously not even just number ones. You can, you can watch a, a litany of guys throughout the lottery that, that never were essentially in the NBA. So uh, it's not just to say that number one is where you can miss or, or over-exaggerate, but there are definitely guys that develop later in the NBA. They find their role and they're able to fit in or, in Julius Randle's case, fix their game like entirely and become exactly what he should be in the NBA, what he was at Kentucky, right. what made him as 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 prevalent uh, of a prospect as he was. But you you are right. Those, those guys all being moved by the Lakers and now being phenomenal. And you can – I mean, I know – I know Minnesota stinks, but D'Angelo Russell had his moments in Brooklyn. Like he definitely, Absolutely. he definitely had his time there, and that was another situation where he just kind of there was all the weird, the weird off the court stuff that kind of led him out the door in L.A. Um, so th- I think that contributed to it for sure. But uh, he's another guy that was out very, very quickly into a rookie deal. Let's go to a uh, a comment here from. Uh... Matt Cron. What are your thoughts on Precious Achua and his impact on the Miami Heat and their playoff run? Oh, thanks for the question, Macron. Gregory, what do you think of Precious Achua? I mean, I think he's a solid player. I mean, he wasn't a guy that I necessarily thought was going to be as impactful as he has been for the Heat. Um, I mean, I would certainly see why he'd be super popular uh, especially if you're like into NFTs and collectibles, that's something that uh, could definitely could definitely play into it. I also think he has the benefit of playing with a very good team. He came into a team that was coming off a finals run in the bubble, who were playing some of the best basketball that we saw after the COVID restart. It's, I mean, he's playing alongside Jimmy Butler, who's playing at MVP level. He's got uh, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo. Uh, he had. You know they're adding Victor Oladipo. It's it, he's yeah. he's in a he's in a pretty good situation to to where the pressure's not fully on him to carry that team or to be one of their main scorers or main contributors. Uh, so he can kind of develop slowly in that and, and eventually become a pretty good player in this league. Yeah, I mean he benefits from Lamarcus Aldridge not going to the Heat, right? Aldridge yes. makes the decision to go to the Nets instead of the Heat, which I think surprised a lot of the people who thought it was a foregone conclusion he was going to Miami. But I just feel like the Heat don't trust Achua, even even missing Bam, even you know missing some other big guys. You know Myers Leonard certainly not a member of the organization anymore. <laughs> he no. he's getting ten minutes a game over the last month. He can score, but I, the defense is an albatross. But again, he's young, so it really depends. Like, guys, you can't learn speed, obviously, but you can definitely learn how to defend and tendencies. And if you watch enough tape on certain guys that you're going to match up with and face off with, you can fig- you can scout and figure out these guys and figure out a way to play good defense on them. So it really depends on if you want to put in the work to, to become not an elite defender, because elite defenders... Elite defenders have to have all of those skills already, along with being super diligent. But you could definitely improve your defense. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I always th- I thought this was a weird draft, and I've said from very very early on prior to it, 
I thought that the guy with the biggest upside was Pokashevsky. And what you see from him in Oklahoma City, by the way, playing as a 19-year-old, I he I really thought this is a guy who should have spent at least another year, maybe two overseas, developing his body. But you see these 21 in like 10 games that he puts up shooting, you know, crazy percentages from three. He has every potential to be the crown jewel in what is going to be a very, very good Thunder team. The Thunder have 34 draft picks, 17 firsts and 17 seconds over the next seven seasons. This team's going to be very, very good, led by Presti. And Pogoshevsky can potentially be what we thought Porzingis was supposed to be. It's going to be really interesting to see how he develops. And you already have some pieces there. Uh, obviously, they were they, they were like, Al, listen, relax, buddy. You're going to... Yeah, you're not going to play good. here anymore. Yeah, uh, hang out. We'll still pay you. You, you can chill, but uh, you're a healthy scratch for the remainder of the year. Um, I'll take that deal. Yeah, no, you and me both. Uh, but they definitely have they definitely have some some starting pieces to becoming a competitive team again. And with all those picks, I mean, the ability to be able to package stuff. Presti's one of the best to do it. I think, yeah. I mean, those, th- the Thunder teams that he built, uh, prior, and then obviously, you know, uh, the different value that he got for the guys that he got rid of, whether, whether it was Chris Paul, whether it was Westbrook, things like that. Um, he definitely, he definitely knows how to maximize a, a lot of the assets that he has. And you're talking about literally like fully loaded with assets. Like you, mm-hmm. you can't have, I don't think anyone will ever have this many assets to be again. Like it's insane. Well, let's talk about Sam Presti and those Oklahoma City Thunder. They make a deal here, a three-way deal. The Philadelphia 76ers get George Hill and Ebert Zekas. The Knicks get Terrence Ferguson and Vincent Poirier. Uh, they also get the rights to, here we go, uh, Emir Prelzik. Uh, apologies to Mr. Prelzik uh, for the mispronunciation. They get a 2021 second-round pick, 2024 second-round pick, heavily protected. And the Thunder get Austin Rivers, who's been cut. Tony Bradley, who had a nice game yesterday, and a 25 and 26 second round pick from the 76ers. I mean, it's fine. It's a fine move. I like him as a backup point guard. Let him get healthy. That's that's good. Uh, I can't oh, he's healthy. That... He's very healthy. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't be happier that they slid Brad Zekas right into the starting lineup, right in front of Danny Green. I thought that was a good move by Doc Rivers. Uh, Wait, no, what are you it, talking? I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say like I have not watched the fun, I have not watched the Nuggets game. If Brzezikas is starting tonight, that would be shocking, especially with how Danny Green has been playing. <laughs> Danny Green didn't get traded, and he was like, "All right, cool. I'm 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 just gonna light up the world." The day that he didn't get traded, and they played the Lakers, and he made eight three pointers, and and you're like eight of twelve. Like, yeah, you're just like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is. This is mad, Danny Green. This is who we needed here. Um, yeah, I really hope I really hope they manage to re-sign Green to a reasonable couple, multi-year contract this offseason, something in like the 12 range, which both makes him a valuable and useful player as well as a valuable and useful trade chip. Yeah, I, I think he he's he's what you need when he's on, man. He's definitely what you need. Uh, but no, I think I think it's a great trade to get a veteran guy with a lot of experience. Uh, he can he can be the guy that can facilitate on that second that second unit. You don't have to rely on you don't have to rely on a guy like uh, not Maxi um, Shake Milton, Milton to be yeah. your primary ball handler because that's that's not what his that's not what his skill set is. It's just it's better 
It's better to have a guy that knows knows how to play that position and has been playing that position at a high level in the NBA for a very long time versus, uh, like, what, third-year pro Shake Milton. Also, uh, George Hill was the NBA leader in catch-and-shoot three-point percentage last season. That's going to be a valuable asset next to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Uh, Milkshakes had a has had an interesting turn over the last month or so. I remember this guy was one of the absolute tippy-top favorites for six-man of the year at Bavada, and all of a sudden he has dropped all the way down to like a mid-tier candidate at plus 7,000. I mean, the shops, or the shops, the shots have stopped falling a little bit, which I think severely hurts him um, because he's such, he's looked at as such a scorer, and he doesn't facilitate as well. So when the scoring goes down, those other numbers aren't all of a sudden rising, right? It's not like, oh, yeah. he, he stopped scoring 12 or 15 a game, but hey, he went from four assists to eight assists or four assists to six assists. You know what I mean? Right. Like that that part didn't change. So uh, because he kind of cooled off from a shooting standpoint, it, it, certainly, uh, it certainly plays a role in those odds. So I'm not surprised. Yeah, for the first time in, in his life, really, he's not shooting well from three. Yeah, and that's you're gonna have to do that if you're on this team and you're gonna be giving big minutes, man. It's gonna have to be the case. Well, here's an underrated deal that I think is really gonna matter come playoff time. The Clippers send Lou Williams uh, to, along with a 2023 second, a 2027 second, and cash considerations to the Clippers for, pardon me, to the to the Hawks in exchange for Rajon Rondo. What is Rondo going to mean to this Clippers team? Because, I mean, I, I don't have the Bavada championship odds up in front of me. I'm having a hard time pulling the futures. But you got to think this Clippers team is right at the top of that list along with, you know, the Lakers in the West. I mean, you add a guy like Rondo, veteran experience, title experience, just won a title last year with the Lakers. I mean, I think that there is zero doubt that Rondo helps this team in a significant yeah. way. I mean... Like, he doesn't need to provide the scoring for this team, but he can be a guy that can get on the court. He's a great floor manager, like, or floor general, whatever the phrase is that you that you want to use to describe <laughs> him. He he is He's going to give you everything that you need out of a guy on, on the second unit who can filter in perfectly at the top, uh, you know, in that starting lineup if necessary. Um, and his shooting's been improved. Like, it's not great, but he's, he's, he's fine to be there. I think... I think this is a, uh, one of those moves that we're going to look at when it comes to like conference finals and finals time where it's like, oh, yeah, Rondo is making a huge impact for this Clippers team. Because like, you remember last year how it ended for the Clippers? It was mm. so disjointed. Everybody, they looked like everybody hated each other. And they just weren't. They, they do, by the way. Well, <laughs> sure. But they just weren't on the same page with really anything that was going on. And I think Rondo's a no-nonsense guy. He's he's not really yeah. gonna he's not really gonna go with any of that that stuff in the locker room. He's not really gonna be bothered by any of that, um, and he's gonna go out there and play as hard as he can. I mean, I, all you ever hear now about Rondo is how much he studies film, how much he pays attention to all that stuff, how he watches, uh, you know, everything when it comes to actually delivering in the game, and and he knows and scouts these teams that they're playing so well because he's that dedicated to to you know, basketball and, and, and the game itself. So I think, I think it's one of those moves that is very underrated. Yeah. Well, and also the Clippers will have the opportunity to throw a lineup out of Pat Bev, Rondo, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. You're talking about four of the tippy top of the iceberg elite defenders in the NBA. 
Yeah, that's a scary, scary defense, <laughs> and I, I'm I'm terrified of that. Yeah, that's, and we may that's never a good even team. That's that's true. It's a good team that's never really come together. I mean, right now, Bavada has Kawhi at plus five thousand and Paul George at plus fifteen thousand. Both of them top twelve MVP candidates. And I just, I feel like this team is really overlooked. And I, I don't know, is it a matter of they've just never gelled? I, I know there's already talk that Kawhi might opt out this season if things don't go well. <coughs> Excuse me, geez. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, we saw all the tension. We mentioned it a little bit to start to start this. They they don't like each other or people in that locker room are very chippy and you know i mm. don't know if pat bev's the best guy the easiest guy to get along with um it doesn't seem like it so uh, to me i find it i find it very I, I wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if things go bad for it to go really really bad and then Kawhi ends up elsewhere after this season this is kind of an interesting under the radar deal the Mavericks get J.J. Redick and Nicola Melli from the Pels for James Johnson, Wes Wandu, a 2021 second in cash. You know, are the Mavericks just trying to put together a roster of, you know, 12 guys who no one plays defense to not make Luka feel bad? Or what was the plan here? <laughs> I mean, I, it's either that or you just want every single person to be able to shoot uh, threes when Ben, or when not Ben, when, um, when Luka gives out Luka. a ridiculous assist. Uh, yeah. there was that game last week where he had one of the more ridiculous passes I think I've ever seen. Um, the, like f- he was faking a shot and then threw it backwards over his head to, to Tim Hardaway. Uh, but yeah, there, there's not a defender to be found Junior, on that team. Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, you never know. Maybe Tim Hardaway stepped in, played, played a couple <laughs> minutes. He could probably get a solid five in today's NBA. Just go out there and kind of tool around. A little killer crossover 2021 exactly. action. Exactly. Uh, that's just a weird move. By the way, JJ, I saw he is uh, he's on the potential six man of the year list at Bavada plus fifty thousand, ahead of uh, or so, pardon me, behind Austin Rivers, who's at plus fifteen and doesn't have a team right now. I'm not sure if he has signed with Milwaukee yet, and tied with Jeff Teague, who does not have a team right now. Can one of, can the Sixers grab either of these guys? Like, what are we doing? Who do you, you th- what do you what do you want either one of those guys for? I don't know bodies. It seems like that's what the NBA play, NBA teams do. You just grab as many bodies of known guys as possible. Ask Brooklyn. That's how yeah, we're doing. I don't, this I don't. I don't. I don't see what Jeff Teague or Austin Rivers really brings to this team. And Austin Rivers could potentially be more distraction than anything else. It has nothing to do with him as a player, but you know, it's another family member of the Rivers clan on this team. I'm fine with that. I feel like it worked out perfectly fine in Los Angeles. Yeah, well, Seth, Seth wasn't there at that point. Ah, that is true. It is true. Hmm. You can only have uh, so many of your kids or stepkids on the team at one point, or it starts to look uh, starts to look a little shady. There's a lot of yeah, there'd be too many in laws in one place right. on an NBA court. I hear you. All right, that makes yeah. sense. You you don't want that drama. Uh, the Celtics get Evan Fournier from the Magic for the aforementioned Jeff Teague and a couple of second-round picks, basically just playing into this huge trade exception that they had. Weird move for for the Celtics. If they were going to get one of these players from the Magic, why wasn't it Vucher or Aaron Gordon, who seemed like much better fits? I don't know, man. I think Fournier debuted pretty well. <laughs> yeah, he got played a, like <laughs> all of all of zero. 
He was like, what, he played like 34 minutes. He was like 0 for 10 from the field. It was not the best debut for, for Mr. Fournier in, in, in Boston. Yeah, 0 of 6 from 3, 0 points. Yeah, I, for me, I think I think that yeah, they there there should have been a different move potentially made there. Uh, they needed help elsewhere, and they get rid of Tice. Uh, I, the front court for me is as good as uh, Robert. Of course, I can't remember his name. Uh, the big guy from Texas A and M. Yes, Robert Williams. Williams. Yeah, as good as as good as he is, I don't know. I don't know what he can do. You know. Like it, when it comes yeah. down to crunch time, doesn't postseason make doesn't make yeah. even a little sense. Yeah, I don't, I don't really like, I don't really like what the Celtics did, which is fine. Yeah, me not liking it is probably a good thing for Celtics fans because it means they'll figure it out and they'll they'll somehow destroy the Sixers in like the first round of the playoffs or second round of the playoffs, mm-hmm. and I'll be sad again. So I, maybe I should say I like it. Well, as long as the story ends with you being sad, I can get behind it. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. It's it's such a you're right. That the team just doesn't play enough defense. I think you've got a lot of guys who already want to score the ball. Like Marcus Smart is, you know, he's a borderline DPO, uh, DPOY guy on Bavada, and he's the only person who plays defense. How's that going to work? It's not. I mean, it's not. You've seen the Celtics struggle game in and game out as this has gone on. Like they've, they've not been good over the past maybe three weeks to a month. It's. It's mm. it's been a real struggle. They got crushed by somebody just last night. Like somebody sort of unassuming too. Like it wasn't, it it wasn't it wasn't like they weren't up against one of the top tier teams in either conference. Right. And it they just they just they haven't looked good. They just haven't. And this isn't a, this isn't the move that makes them better. So or at least not any significantly any much any more significantly better than you. anything else. I'm with so you. yeah, and uh, I, I think it's I think that the same. The same can probably be said for our next trade. We've got two left here. The Heat get Victor Oladipo from the Rockets for Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, and a 2022 pick swap. And I know this has been a trade that we'd kind of we'd kind of thrown around a few times. And this, I think, I think it comes back down to like the fit with Oladipo and Butler just doesn't make sense. Neither shoots well enough no. from the outside, right? And both need the basketball. Yeah, like I, I just. This this screams to me. We need to add a name. We need to add a guy with a very significant name, uh, so it like proves that we're kind of like going for it, going for it, even though it may not it may not mesh well like on the court. Well, and also let's please move on from the Myers Leonard story and talk about this. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. There's a little bit of that to it as well. Plus, you get him. You're able to ship him out of town, so you don't have to. It's it's even less of a thing that's in your face, you know. Yeah, well, and the, and now the Rockets can even more blatantly tank. Yeah, I mean they are, oof, they are, uh, they are <laughs> tank city. It's not, it's not good. Did they win? I think they may have won. They may have broken the streak. Did they? They Maybe did. Maybe yesterday. Yeah. They yeah. Did. But well, I mean, speaking of teams that are tanking, Gregory, the Orlando Magic, who have uh, now make their third trade of the day, having already traded Vucevic and Fournier. They trade Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark to the Nuggets, who will 76ers see right now, for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and uh, future first-round picks. I just don't know. The Aaron Gordon fit in Denver is going to be an interesting thing to look at because, yeah, like, like he's not – I guess you have to play him at four, but – but but I saw that they weren't in the starting lineup uh, that I saw at least uh, earlier today. 
he was listed as the three with MPJ as the four. It's I would think those would be reversed. That's that's but, exactly what my thought process was. But yeah. you know who who knows? I mean, Gordon he was shooting thirty seven percent from three. He's turned himself into a decent three point shooter over the last. I guess I guess over this year, kind of terrible last year. Uh, but I don't know, man. Him as a four, him as a three. Pardon me, is is a little bit weird. It just doesn't, for his skill set, like, and I know he's improved his three-point shooting from what it originally was when he came into the league, but it's not, it's not that much better. I, so I don't know, I, I don't know, to me, to me, that fit doesn't feel right. But the Nuggets needed to do something. It's another one of those things where like, we just kind of have to do something because we're not good enough. And this gives us at least something, and it gives you another guy for Murray and Jokic to work off of. And who knows? Yeah. Maybe Gordon. Maybe Gordon in a better situation with more talent around him. Like I know he played with Vucevic, but outside of that, like uh, DJ DJ uh, Augustine was like their point guard <laughs> for like the last few years until I mean, until he flat out got waived. Yeah. Well, yeah. What can you do? But you had faults until he got hurt, and like and Michael, Michael Carter Williams. Williams. Yeah, like. It, to me, to me, I don't know. Uh, like, we'll see what that can become because there is a lot of talent on that Denver, especially in that starting lineup. There are a lot of guys who can who can who can really contribute. I don't. It, it's just a weird fit. For sure. All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for us this week. For Greg Crone, I'm Chris Wardell. This has been You're Wrong and Here's Why. We will uh, see you back here live on Stereo very soon. Until then, we bid you adieu. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why. Again, we want to remind you that uh, the show is brought to you in part by Stereo, and this is something we're absolutely thrilled about. I'm sure you heard us raving about Stereo earlier in the show, but in case you missed anything, Stereo's an app that allows you to hop right into the conversation with us. As a matter of fact, mark your calendars because you're not gonna wanna miss the official You're Wrong and Here's Why after party on Stereo Tuesdays. Uh, we'll also be there on Mondays and Thursdays live to talk. Just download the Stereo app and follow us at Stereo.com, S-T-E-R-E-O.com, backslash Chris Horwoodell, C-H-R-I-S-H-O-R-W-E-D-E-L. There's also a link in the description for your convenience. We had a lot of fun on the last episode. As a matter of fact, here's a clip. Talk is season up as, a, as, as another learning experience. Luke is, what, 20? Like, mm. Well, I don't think Luke is 20 anymore, but yeah, he's still very young. Sorry, 21, 22. Yeah, he's, he's, he's elderly, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I would pass on him now at this age, obviously. That, it is retirement age in Slovenia, 21 years old. <laughs> Stereo is an app for live social conversations, and it allows us to talk directly with you guys, our wonderful listeners. You can join the show, you can ask questions about whatever we're talking about, or you can share your own thoughts and experiences. We really do want to hear from you in, uh, in the future, so head over to Stereo.com backslash Chris Horbidell. Once again, Stereo.com backslash Chris Horbidell. Follow us and let's talk.